Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Flagel. And on this episode, we continue with part two of our discussion on family wounds. Part one, we talked about learning to face what is. With the point of it is that we invite God into that healing process. It is a process. It is a journey. And sometimes we have moments where we're triggered and we need to face things again. Holidays can be that. So today we're talking about how we face the holidays and invite God into that process. So let's jump right into this discussion between Kim and I. Which holidays are difficult for you and why? Birthday, definitely. Why? The biggest one is because it's the reminder. That's the day that I was given up. So there, there's grief that comes with that. Uh, and in my case, a grief that wasn't allowed to be expressed, that I was told essentially that there was something wrong with me because I grieved. There's that aspect of it. And just also feeling that there's people who should be in your life who are missing. That's a pretty hard one to deal with, especially when it's a story that's not accepted. Right. Because a grief ignored Oof. and dismissed makes it that much harder to deal with. And to have to explain it, it can get very exhausting to constantly have to explain. I love that you want to celebrate my birthday. I love that you want to be there for me. Understand no matter how much I love that, there's a part of me that really hates my birthday. And doesn't necessarily want to make a huge deal out of it. For me, it's enough to hang out and play games. And, you know, just have a few people I care about around because that's comfortable but the idea of a surprise party or something like that is just that's more people I have to pretend I'm okay with when I'm probably not okay completely but I also don't want to hurt your feelings because you made an effort to show that you care about me on this day so it's a day where the not being known and understood is also at the forefront not being accepted for the fullness of your emotional range which is who you are and the things you're dealing with. So there's a sense of not being accepted for who you are and what is. Being able to do both. We celebrate, we grieve. Yeah. And having people want to fix it Uh, is extremely (laughs) exhausting, frustrating, and just leaves you feeling more heartbroken. Because, yeah, grief and healing happen... But there's a certain amount of grief that is good to still have. And it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate everything that God has done. Right. That I'm not thankful, although admittedly that's the word that people who are adopted tend to cringe at because of the way it's been used as a weapon against us. But it's a both and, and that doesn't make a lot of people very comfortable. So figuring out ways to do that is a little bit difficult. And because it winds up not just being that day, oftentimes it you just wind up more sensitive and emotional for, depends on the year, sometimes only a week before and after, sometimes the whole month or two. Yeah, especially with, as you're anticipating, right, that it's coming? Sometimes anticipating it's coming, or sometimes even just afterwards, I might have managed to keep myself completely together and be present to everyone up until that point. But then afterwards, when the guard gets let back down, 
then it still eventually it still has to hit you. Yes. Okay, going back though, you said being thankful was used as a weapon. Will you briefly clarify that? Sure. Those of us who are adopted, and obviously I can't speak for everyone because there are still those who are in different places on their journey. Some of the things that we are told are things that I would hope you wouldn't tell to someone you love or someone who was grieving. One of the big ones is you should just be grateful you weren't aborted. You should just be thankful to be alive. You should just be thankful someone wanted you. Those are very hurtful, very wounding things to receive because essentially it means you weren't valuable. Right. Or your emotions aren't legitimate. Yeah, and that's the other side of it. And it's just used as a weapon over and over again to the point where it can be very hard to say you're grateful for something because there's a sense of, well, I wasn't worth it, so I should just be grateful for anything I get. Obviously, you know, I've talked about that a bit, and yeah, I have struggled with that, you know, putting up with things from other people that I probably shouldn't have because I didn't feel like I deserved any better. And that's a very typical story for a lot of those who were adopted especially unfortunately those of us who were adopted into Christian families because of how adoption has been viewed in the church and how it hasn't been taken into context in terms of when you know it talks about being adopted into God's family it's very different than modern day adoption right in the ancient Roman Empire adoption yeah. was a, a very different deal yeah Often, it was an adoption of an adult. Right. There was choice involved. That makes a huge difference. Out of everyone in the adoption triad, as we call it, adoptees are the only ones who aren't given a choice in the matter. It makes us a little oversensitive when our choices get taken away later. I remember trying to explain missing my mom. I made it very clear that I still loved, you know, my adoptive mother. She was in the room. And that was immediately what I was hit with, was, you just should be grateful you weren't aborted. You should just be grateful you were wanted by someone. You should just be grateful that you got to know God. You know, and even then, part of me wanted to go, do you really think God was that small? That if I had stayed with my first family, that he wouldn't have pursued me just as much? Like, that's some false thinking there. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I see what this very same adoption did to my sister. And how the wounding from that mixed with the trauma of our upbringing has caused her to run so far from God. And that even when she's come back, she still hasn't been able to fully surrender because it's such a huge wrestling match for a lot of us. And I, I see it online. I'm in a lot of adoptee blogs. It's just like, how could a good God allow such wounding to someone who didn't have a choice in the matter? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think the latest stats that that when we were talking about blogs is something about more than 75% of adopted kids who grow up in Christian homes walk away from the faith because they can't reconcile the wounds that they have received with God and with the church. And unfortunately, with some of the language we use in the church on a regular basis, it, a lot of them feel unheard and unsafe. I want to touch back on that because mm -hmm. I, I want to hear how you would answer that because obviously here you sit and though mm -hmm. you still wrestle, you wrestle with God. 
not yeah. run from him, right? Which is what we're supposed to do, what, what I say supposed, <laughs> what we are invited to do, right? That's why Jacob in the Old Testament, when he wrestled with God over his fears that his brother was coming to kill him, he was renamed from Jacob, which means roughly, loosely translated, he who deceives or he who manipulates, to he who wrestles with God, which is the word Israel, mm-hmm. renamed Israel. So I want to come back to that yeah. and get your, your experiences, and obviously different. You're not one who's walked away. Why? We'll get there. Yeah. However, I do want to cover the other holidays before we round back around to that. Yeah, so that's fair. What, what are the other ones that you have difficulty with? Mother's Day. As we're going into Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. As we so, record this. Yeah. That one is can be rough. Uh, most Mother's Day cards, quite frankly... I have a very hard time finding a Mother's Day card that feels nice, but also honest, because it tends to be about how amazing and wonderful and perfect and all this stuff that your the mom is, and I don't want to hurt my mother, and it's not that I don't love her, but that also hasn't been a lot of my experience with her, my adoptive mother. So that makes it complicated. <laughs> Because on the one hand, I love her. On the other hand, uh, the majority of my, some of my biggest wounds and struggles have come from the relationship that we had. And and it's been cool to see God do all this healing work in the last few years in our relationship. It still doesn't erase everything that I went through as a kid and how unsafe the house felt. So a day celebrating moms... I mean, honestly, it's like, hey, I got abandoned by my birth mom. I mean, you can say chose a better life. You can put whatever beautiful spin you want on it, and people do. But the truth is, in the end, she chose not to fight to keep me. She could have. She didn't feel able to, and I can understand and respect that, but that still hurts. So you have essentially the abandonment by my first mom. Then you have my adoptive mother who not only with the abuse but she also although admittedly only for two or three weeks also abandoned us randomly left constantly threatened to turn herself into cps and get us taken away from her wow as a threat to kind of put us back in line so it does tend to bring up a lot of i'm supposed to be celebrating what am i supposed to be celebrating here But a lot of what I see is pain. Why couldn't you choose to fight for me? Either, Mom. Yeah. You know, why didn't you get help? I can understand depression and I can understand unhealed wounds, but you had a choice and your choice has wounded me. That's the truth. Sucks, but it's the truth. So we've got... Birthday. We've got Mother's Day. Oh, yes, of course, you've got Christmas. And to a certain extent, Thanksgiving. Because they're all family holidays. Mm. They're all days that are supposed to focus on closeness and togetherness and celebration. Things that my family did not do well. Especially to make it worse, <laughs> there's also very few relatives that are alive in the adoptive family. But it meant that most of the holidays it was just us. Just the four of us. 
which just made all the dysfunction and pain and crazy that much more obvious when I'd see everyone else's families and occasionally get to experience everyone else's families. Yeah, no buffer there, right? Yeah, there's no buffer of cousins or friends. But it's supposed to be a family holiday, so you can't have anyone else over to be a part of it. So how have you traditionally coped? What are some of the coping mechanisms (laughs) through the years that you've leaned into to deal with the trauma of facing the holidays every year? Well, I mean, obviously the first one was numbness, just shoving everything down, and I got really good at pretending to myself. I might feel the initial emotion, and then I could shut it off within a minute. If not less, actually a minute was kind of long for me Mm. at that point. Got a good shut-off valve, huh? Oh, yeah, to the point where it hit automatic. As you've experienced on a few occasions during our talks, I get a little too emotional and all of a sudden it's like, oh, give me a second. Okay, now we're back to talking like it didn't matter. That was a huge one. Uh, A lot of escapism. I daydreamed so much. Reading starts off fun, but eventually it becomes... A way to, another way to escape. Can't say growing up it was TV much. We weren't allowed more than a half hour a day, so <laughs> couldn't really use that as much of a excuse. Which is probably why books became such a important part of my world. And I do mean important. I had about four or five hundred books. Wow. I mean, my room was mostly bookshelves <laughs> at that point, and pretty much if I wasn't on a horse, which was another, maybe it was an escape because it allowed me to go out away from the family and pretend for a while that everything was fine. It's a pretty good escape when you're gone for eight hours on a horse in the middle of a national park and you're like 14, 15. Yeah, that'll do it. I mean, I packed a lunch. I packed a book. I was fully capable of being out all freaking day long. That was some of the ones as a kid. Yeah. But you you haven't been a kid for a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been Just a, a few. Just a few years. For a number of years, Kim. So what are some of the ones that have carried over? What are some of the new coping mechanisms in, uh, since your adult years? I mean, books definitely carried well over. I, I don't have quite... Well, that's not true. Now they're just on Kindle. Okay. Uh, I probably still have over 100 physical books, but yeah, Kindle for sure. Yeah, Netflix, streaming services in general, even just sleeping more than you should can definitely be a way of coping because, you know, it's really hard to feel if you're asleep unless you get a dream and remember it and then have to process it. As we do. Yes, I blame you for that one. I had no idea until you came into my life. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, I know. You knew what I meant. That was half blame, half credit. For a while, honestly, masturbation and daydreaming was was certainly one of the big ones for Mm. quite a while. The daydreaming one still can be an issue. Uh, The other one, not so much. Thanks to God, I pretty well got that covered 95% of the time. It's not a habit like it was for a season. But yeah, daydreaming can definitely still be one of the big ones. Telling myself stories to keep the other thoughts at bay. That was definitely the coping mechanism, I think, that snuck in the easiest. Because I think, you know, the more time you spend with books, the more you grow to love story. And story can be how you kind of process 
everything that's happened. And I, I laughed because I didn't even think about it till just now. But the one, my other coping mechanism, if you will, at least back then, eh, I still do it on occasion. But I remember I, I, I had a few favorite authors or a few people I looked up to that were distant. And I would mentally have these conversations about what was going on in my life mm. with them as like kind of the only safety valve outside of, you know, books. As it was safe to talk to the person in your head. Pretend you're writing them a letter as kind of a way to kind of cope. It explains why I probably have, in some cases, a better memory than a lot of people who've experienced trauma. Frequently they talk about not being able to remember a lot of their childhood as their safety mechanism. But apparently my brain wanted to cling on to practically everything. That's because the stories were told over and over again. They just weren't told to anyone real in that sense. I think I had a similar thing. I mean, daydreaming definitely is a big one. Imagination. I have a very powerful imagination, which is a, a, a gift from God, but every gift has its strengths and its weaknesses. One of the things that I would do was imagine conversations that I wished would happen yeah. or had happened or even in preparation for a conversation with someone that I would imagine how it would go. Yep. Reimagining conversations that never happened. Yeah. That I wished I'd said this and wished it went this way. So that was that daydreaming imagination was as a coping mechanism, which sounds very similar to what you're saying with the authors. Yeah, I did that too. I mean, heck, I still do that sometimes, and then sometimes God pulls the ripcord on that one and goes, nope, wait, nope, you're making assumptions about what they're going to say. You're freaking yourself out way more than you need to. Yes, which keeps us from being present to what God is doing in us and around us now, and we lose awareness. We tend to get into the secret life of Walter Mitty, if you've ever seen that movie or read that book. He was so busy in his imagination, he missed life happening all around him yeah. and missed some pretty important key things for being moved forward yeah. in his life, which is what that does. Like I said, every every gift from God has a strength and a weakness in imagination. The strength is great storytellers, mm. songwriters, artists have a great imagination. The downside, the weakness that we need to be aware of is that we can lose awareness of being present to God and to ourselves and to other people in the present. Sometimes we think about it so much we never actually act on what we already know. So speaking of that, where are the invitations that you've become aware of as you've struggled with the trauma of the past and facing holidays and those you know holidays dredging all mm -hmm. that stuff back up again? Where have you become aware of God's invitation to you? What are those invitations? How has God revealed himself and invite, and what has he invited you into? I think one of the first ones was the reason we're having this conversation in the first place is he started going, hey, you need to actually be honest with other people. It's not going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Which, let's be honest, that's kind of the self-preservation going, no, we're going to die. <laughs> That's not what your body's saying. My right? body disagrees with my head and my heart on a regular basis. Is our running joke. My body very much disagrees and likes to 
get a little anxious and freak out when it comes to the being honest and vulnerable stuff. The rest of me is like, dude, we're safe. Chill out. There's a reason my hand is literally twitching and tapping under the desk most of the time when we're doing these things. But that was that was probably the first big one was just being honest was kind of the first invitation. He's like, share. I remember our very first meeting, I had a nice packet print out for you from a Christian adoptee's blog that kind of explained, hey, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel about this. This is where I'm coming from. You need to read this so I don't have to keep explaining this over and over again. But that was super helpful for me because it had put into words things that I had always felt and experienced but it was hard for me to put into words myself. Hmm. That's really interesting because as I as I think about that, Kim, it seems to me that's a huge step that God was asking you to take, to be honest, when that was the very thing you couldn't be for many, many years, and that is not a habit, a pattern that you have, and it is the very place of unsafeness. Hmm in your family trauma. It feels like a big ask of God as a step, and yet, as I'm listening to you talk, it doesn't seem like a big step simply at, on the other side of it in one way that he gave you the tools. He didn't ask you to use all of your own words and articulate this to me. He brought you to people who had been on the journey ahead of you, who had wrestled through these things, this girl in particular. Yeah. She hit a lot of my favorite buttons. Adopted woman, pastor, who was still in the middle of process, even after 15, 20 years of being in that journey, but getting to see, oh, maybe everything won't get fixed. Fixed, air quotes. But there's hope. And look at what she's doing. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, it was a big church. And she was the pastor. And she was speaking and sharing and also blogging and connecting people in community. And even the people who weren't Christians in our community respected her, quoted her articles, shared stuff she was writing. Like, seeing God move through what she was doing was so encouraging. You know, and then going like, oh, I finally have words right, for all of this stuff that I'd been feeling for so long and didn't know how to say. I love that. It's just a great illustration of who God is. He, he stretches us. He calls us to take steps that feel very uncomfortable, may even feel dangerous and unsafe. And yet he gives us what we need to take those steps and literally carries us. He is the father, the healthy father in the water, looking up at his child on a big rock above the pond saying, jump, I will catch you. And in this case, and in God's case, I should say, <laughs> he always does. Yeah. And in fact, not only does he catch us, he's carrying us the whole way as we jump, right? I mean, that's what that speaks to me. I'm calling you to a big, what feels like a big jump for you, Kim. But I am telling you, I've given you what you need. And I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, and of course, that was just the start of our conversation about it. Sure. 
you know. But it was it, a good start. It was it was a good start, you know. And it took me a lot longer to be honest about how the holidays felt in general. Why is that? Why that one? Probably because it's it felt like the one that was least accepted by just by ge- people in general, especially people in the church. You know, you can only hear those same dismissive messages so many times before you stop trying to share that. And and then also just like there's also the other side which is wanting to protect the people that you're with. Who enjoy holidays. Who enjoy holidays or who are putting so much effort and energy into celebrating with you that you don't want them to feel like they wasted their time or their effort. You never want someone to feel like, oh, well, great. I just wasted all my whatever putting this together and, you know, they're ungrateful and they don't appreciate it. And who wants to be the one bringing the party down when everyone else is celebrating? Okay. What's God's invitation in that? What has he shown you about himself in that aspect when it comes to what other pe- how other people view holidays, what you're afraid of? What's he revealed about himself and what is he inviting you into because of his character and nature? I think one of the first things he told me is like you can be, you can grieve and you can have joy at the same time. Mm. He's like they're not mutually exclusive. You can enjoy being with the people you care about, but if you need a moment to be honest, it's not gonna once again, it's not gonna kill you and it's not gonna kill them. Right. Are you responsible for how anyone else feels? No. Probably won't stop me completely from trying to make sure that I look after you guys because I love you. Yes. But, yeah, at the the end of the day, I'm responsible for me, you're responsible for you. Yeah, that's been a slow process of learning that. Because as an Enneagram 9, it's all about avoiding disconnection. Anything that makes someone else, might make someone else leave you. You know, so that's a hard habit to break (laughs) since it's deeply ingrained. But I think the, the invitation has just been, take it slow which is also not my strong suit, ironically, (laughs) for someone who's slow to change in so many ways. There's also that part of me that wants change right away, on my terms at least. So it was just little things like going like, hey, Kurt, like, birthdays suck for me. I had so many versions of that conversation in my head before I actually had that conversation with you. Mm. I don't remember how I reacted. You did fine. (laughs) (laughs) Or I should say, I don't remember how I responded. Yeah. You know, knowing you, you asked questions, because that's pretty typical for you as a general rule. Same thing with holidays, just being honest and being smart about who you're honest with. Right. Still wouldn't tell my parents. I mean, I think they've kind of gotten the idea when I leave pretty quickly after breakfast and presents are done and Christmas that's not my favorite thing to do you know and then even sharing on the podcast has been another invitation that I wouldn't have expected can I speak into that go for it just sitting here listening to you share this the things you've shared today if we were sitting just you and me Mm -hmm. talking about this stuff this conversation probably would take three hours easily (laughs) And that's yeah. that's just re- that's not a criticism. No, I wasn't taking it like or, that. Or you know anything else, but just fact. And that is not to be a negative statement. That's to be an affirmation of wonder, for me at this moment of just saying, 
wow, pay attention to the fact that you care so deeply for other people, that pastoring, shepherding, empathetic heart, is that you are more willing to open up and be vulnerable for the sake of other people than you are for yourself sometimes. I mean, it's not to say that this hasn't been easy for you, but the risk you take, you know, in, sh- in opening up and sharing the things you've already shared. God has wired you that you are finding healing even as you speak healing for other people. It's like that old saying, those who teach are twice taught, you know? And so that's part of God's invitation to give of yourself. And here's a reality that you're revealing, a God reality, that when we give ourselves away, God meets us in that place and gives us back more than we could ever give away. As you speak healing and you give that and you give yourself over to other people and vulnerably share your story, you have literally opened your hands to receive, right? As you open your hands to give to others of yourself, you open your hands to receive even more back from God. This is true of my life. I The principle that I live by in many ways is you can't outgive God. And even here in doing this, this comes more easily to you because there's other people involved. And that's that's to be honored. And that's something that God has done. He's using your pain to bring healing to others and, and, and in so doing, healing you in the process. That's what it means to serve. And those who don't serve, those who don't give themselves away, miss out. Jesus said, those who seek to hold on to their lives will lose them. But those who give their, themselves away, those who lose their lives for my sake, they will gain them. And gain them, I would say, even more so, the fullness of life. That's what I see in this, Kim. So this feels like a good place. (laughs) Speaking of which, I'm sure there's more of the story. But this just feels like a good place to say, speaking of pouring yourself out for others. Will you pray for those listening who, like you, struggle with holidays struggle with trauma in the holidays yeah definitely i will put one caveat on there since i think it's an important one for the last invitation for it just simply to be present however that looks like for you for me i often borrow your lower porch and go sit out on the lounge chair that your wife so thoughtfully carried down the stairs for me she's a giver she's awesome and it's not always easy but just sitting there and being present and even if that means being present to the pain and then handing it to God and even though sometimes that means sitting in it learning to sit in your pain with God has probably been the biggest invitation of all in the middle of this and the biggest thing that's changed well it just goes back to what we were just talking about when we open our hands and give it away God gives us back more. So when we open ourselves up to the experience of grief and then invite him in, that's literally the metaphoric idea. Literally the metaphoric, that didn't work, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with that. It's literally the metaphoric example of what we're talking about, open hands. 
And when we open our hands, we follow the example of the father of faith, Abraham, yeah. who would not even hold back his own son from being sacrificed to God if God asked for it because he was holding to nothing but God and trusting the character of God that if whatever he gave God, God would give him back more. He can't outgive God. And that's the reason why even in grief, right, when we let God into it he and we surrender our grief to him, we get back more of who he is, which is love and joy, goodness and kindness and gentleness. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul writes and says, and we who grieve, we grieve, those of us who follow Jesus, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Mm. Notice, grief is still involved yeah. <laughs> in the journey for everyone. Jesus says, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. Both are a gift from God. That is true of the gifts and also the trials of life. No one is immune to these struggles. No yeah. one gets out without grief. But when we hold it out to God, we grieve with hope because God gives us hope. For sure. When we hold it out, we get back more than we give. Yeah, even and if it starts with just five, five minutes, which for <laughs> when I started, five minutes was all I could take of uninterrupted grief. Yeah. Before I had to go, okay, God, I can't. Like, I've hit my wall. I need to do something that's gonna not have this be at the forefront and in bringing him even into that having permission to take a break from the pain because I wasn't running in that moment right to go watch something yeah to do something that took my mind off of it for mm. a bit even if it was actually falling asleep you know in that moment going okay but now I'm doing this with you it's not to run away and shut you out for fear that you'll ask me to do something that I don't want to do and I don't want to face. Right. Because so often I think we think that God's going to overwhelm us and force us to deal with it all at once. And all that shows us is that we still don't know him as well as he is inviting us to know him. Yeah. And the words of the love chapter, right? One day I will fully know as I am fully known. We are already fully known. And fully loved. I mean, it's it blows my mind that that those are the words in the chapter about love, God's love for us. First yeah. Corinthians thirteen. That's quoted at weddings all over the world, at least all over the Western world, right? Yeah. And in that chapter of love is this passage of being known. We're fully known and fully loved. And God says, "Now I'm inviting you to know me, and how much I know you, and how much I love yeah. you." It's been hard. Just because it's good and right doesn't mean it's easy. It don't easy. don't mistake those two. Right. For each other. Right. Easy and simple are two different things. Yeah. But worth it? Oh yeah. Yeah, even in the middle of right now where I'm in a season where I'm wrestling a ton and honestly I'm hurting as we come on to Mother's Day as we deal with all the wounds that have been brought up lately. It, it hurts. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. But he's been so faithful in the middle of it to show up and to bring people around me who are like, okay, we're here. 
We're not leaving. Even if I need to hear that about another thousand times before I might possibly believe it. Well, that's true. (laughs) Because your background is being left and abandoned. Yeah. Profoundly so. So that's great about God is he has two (laughs) commandments. And I say this, not what God says, but the commandments Mm. he gives. What he commands. The two commands he gives most often in scripture to humanity is one, do not be afraid. Mm. Fear not. Yeah. That's a command. (laughs) We need it. And the second is like it. Don't forget. Because we often forget and get afraid. Yeah. And God's like, hey, there's no need. Don't be afraid and remember to not be afraid. Hope. Remember to hope. That's more and more what I'm seeing. Doesn't make it an easy season, but it does make it a better season than it would be without that hope. Right. Jump off that rock, Kim. He's carrying you. Personally, I prefer swinging out of the treehouse, but hey, (laughs) that's just where my imagination automatically goes on that one. And God meets you there. Yeah. Would you, um, would you pray? Yeah, for sure. Dad, thank you that you are a good God. That you are trustworthy, that you are reliable, that you don't change like shifting shadows. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, even when we fall short, you never give up on us. Dad, thank you that you never judge us, that you're not condemning us for our doubts or our fears. But you're simply inviting us to bring them to you and to let you show us how good you really are and how safe you really are. No matter when anyone is listening to this, it feels like there's always a holiday nearby for most of the year. Dad, for anyone listening who, who struggles with holidays and struggles with grief because of either what's going on in their present or what's gone on in their past, Dad, thank you that you are the one who brings healing. You are the hope not at the end of the tunnel, Dad, but you are the hope in the middle of it. Dad, you are the peace in the middle of the storm. You are always present with us and always present to us. So Dad, I just ask for all of us listening that you would show us where your invitation is, whether it's an invitation to wrestle with you or an invitation to simply let you carry us. Thank you that you always are willing to do both. You long always to draw us closer to you and show us more of who you are. Dad, I just ask for your peace. I bless the people listening with peace, with your peace that passes all understanding that is not dependent on our emotions or our circumstances, but is a true gift from you. Dad, I bless them with wholeness, with your shalom that can't be taken away because it's so much a part of who you are and who and what we've inherited from you. Dad, thank you for this podcast. Thank you for this invitation to hear other people's stories and to experience you more fully, even in the middle of all the mess. Dad, I just bless everyone listening with hope that if it's not good yet, it simply means that you're not finished. And that you started the work in us, Dad. Thank you that you are the one who completes it. It's not something we have to figure out on our own. Mm. But that it's your work. And if it's your work, we can hand it to you. Trusting that you will finish it. And that in you, you've promised it's already done. So thank you for all this in Jesus' name. God, I just feel a sense of to bless Kim as well. 
And once again, she's pouring herself out in the midst of struggling with things, even the holiday this weekend. So I bless her with a sense of your pleasure, a sense of your joy, and your delight in her. As she goes into this weekend, that she will be more filled with you. She can't outgive you. And that she's given herself away in this episode to talk about her struggles and has been vulnerable about that. So in that place of openness, I bless her with your shalom. I bless her with more of a sense of your love for her, greater experiences of your love going through this weekend. I bless her with confidence in who she is as your beloved daughter, chosen, as Colossians 3 says, holy and beloved, that that would be her reality like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kim, just for your willingness, again, your willingness to give yourself away, share the good, the bad, the ugly with all of us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you. And please know you can reach out to us with any of your questions, your prayer requests, or if you need help because you're feeling stuck in some area of your life. I am a coach for transformation that helps people move forward on their journey. If you want more information or you want prayer or you have questions, you can email me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. And as always, remember that you are God's beloved, so be loved. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.